Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of Talking with Andrew and Chris. That must mean that I'm Andrew. And by default, I'm Chris. And so with that being said, oh boy, do we have a doozy of an episode for you. Arguably our most accomplished guest of the show, and also probably our most humble guest of the yeah. show so far. Yeah, so. very humble because there were, she's she's done some pretty cool things, and she was so nonchalant about them, I was just like waiting for her to be like, yeah, because I'm that cool. And then she never did, and I was like, but you are that cool. Yeah, and I don't know if you guys have like ever seen like uh, Mr. Robot or like any shows like that, but like I I, I pretty much like combed her brain like I was data mining and I didn't mean to do it I was just so intrigued and so I think like you know we have our silly episodes we have our episodes with just Andrew and I which are coming up but we also have like these kind of episodes where like when you get fortunate enough to talk to someone who's like been around the block as long as Colleen has it and and, and has done it as well as she has you kind of if you're an artist and you're hungry, this this is just kind of what happens. So I hope you guys mm-hmm. enjoy this. And, and, um, and like Chris just said, our guest today is the one, the only Colleen D'Agostino from The Material. And also uh, standing on her own and uh, solo a uh, critical claim, as you'll hear in this episode. Uh, she's That's accomplished right. a lot both in the alternative space and in the mainstream space, which you don't really see many people successfully pull off. Right. So. And... The best thing that she could give you is not only, you know, like, oh, here's a songwriting tip. Oh, if you have music, put it here. She lets us in on a little bit more of behind the scenes of how to, you know, successfully navigate the music industry as an independent band. So this one is the one you want to take your notepad out for. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think if you have even your finger slightly on the pulse, you understand that you can't just make music anymore and, and expect a label to pick you up. Like, you have to be on top of the more entrepreneurial side of things. Uh, and so we're just going to let Colleen explain all that to you because she'll do it 10 times better than, than me or Andrew ever could. But For sure. But also, speaking of you know music and the song that we did with Colleen, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, we have all of our other songs that unfortunately don't feature Colleen very unfortunate <laughs> on all of those beautiful DSPs you know Apple Music Spotify all that good stuff we're also as a band the stash and why on all social medias for a second there I thought you said we're also a band the stash and why and I was gonna be like well why don't you tell me Andrew <laughs> and why are we a band you may ask <laughs> well I'll tell you in a different podcast episode but you said NY as in New York as in New- where we're from New York sorry we don't have the rights to that yeah I mean hey I'm in a New York state of mind. I technically always am. I, I mean, I guess there is. Yeah, that's kind of all I know. But with that being said, another thing I do know is that you guys keep showing so much support to this podcast. So Almost much. to the point where it like kind of makes me feel bad because I'm like, are we living up to the expectations? Like, this is kind of like a thing now. Yeah, yeah. It's like it started as just like, oh, cool. Me and Chris like have the capability to record our funny conversations, and like we know some people in the industry, so like let's let's talk to them and then put them out there. And now people are like, yo, this is really cool, and I'm learning a lot. And we're like, oh no. Now now we got to teach things. Now people are coming to us for knowledge. Like we're yeah. trying to find the knowledge too. No, yeah, exactly. And we're not putting a strain on our personal connections anymore. We're not, you know, losing friendships over booking guests <laughs> really come a long way. And yeah, it's, I couldn't be it's any more thankful crazy. for that. And so, you know, thank you guys. We all could so only much. have interviewed someone that's on a Grammy nominated album because of the support you guys have given us. Right. Yeah, I mean 100 and, and what did the kids say 100 P? 
Something like that. P yeah. meaning perfect, so 100 perfect. 100 yeah. perfect. So yeah, that's a lot. And and so, you know, thank you guys so much. You know where to find us. You know where to follow us. You're listening right now. And of yeah. course, that means the world. If you could leave a review, maybe five stars, or follow us on Spotify, whatever system allows you to interact with our show, that would also be helpful. So we can continue booking great guests, just like next week's Corey of Prince Daddy and the Hyena. And with that being said... We're done beating around the bush. Yeah, let's just let's just get into it. What song are we starting this thing off with? Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna start off. We're gonna save our collaboration for the end of this episode with Colleen. We're just gonna we're gonna start off with one of her originals uh, from her solo project, not the material. Although you should go look that music up. Please go check it out because if you played Rock Band, then you played the material. So <laughs> go show some respect. Right. Yeah, Andrew. What was the name of that song you played again? Just so just so people can you know get a little get a little uh, knowledge. Uh, it's a little ditty called "Moving to Seattle," one of the best songs uh, in rock band's repertoire. Yeah, I could agree. And uh, right now, I think we're gonna play one of my personal favorites. I would argue it's it's one of her best songs, although they're all great. This is "Somewhere in Between" by Colleen D'Agostino on Talking with Andrew and Chris. Thanks for being here, guys. going on guys and welcome back to yet another episode of talking with andrew and chris today we are joined by the one and only colleen d'agostino welcome to the show thanks guys how's it going it, it's, it's going pretty good it's going pretty good yeah this is uh, we're, we're excited to be talking to you after singing with you yes <laughs> that that is true this is one of those weeks where you kind of got to ride this feeling because it might not be there for much longer, so you know you, you caught you caught us on a good time. I would say, yeah, true. Nice. Yeah, so I mean, let's just like jump right into it. If if because you know we met you through a mutual connection, but um, before that we hadn't really been exposed to your music, and so obviously we you know we really enjoyed it enough where we have a song together. Spoiler: Cats out of the bag, guys. But um, <laughs> you know. So you, you've been around for quite some time. Uh, before you were a solo artist, you, you had a band. And I, I want to give you the opportunity to sort of take us through your, your musical journey. I, I think that'd be a fun way to start off this podcast, sort of like uh, a little getting to know each other and also just sort of painting the picture for our audience so they can really, you know, get to know you. And, and, and like, cool. you know, hold no punches. Like, we want to know, like, the first time you ever even saw, like, a guitar or something, you're like, wow, this yeah, is take cool. Us, take us way back. Oh, yeah, wow. take us way back, if you, if you don't mind. <laughs> Okay. Uh, well, I started singing when I was, I think, seven years old. I uh, 
started doing like musical theater and stuff like that in school. And I begged my parents to let me have voice lessons and like wanted to do it for real. Like I was obsessed with being a performer and an artist to the point where I literally wore like a beret to school. So people would know that I was an artist. Wow. Nice. I mean, that's, um, a, that's yeah. a statement, especially like Which as my, a kid. My, oh yeah. My family still likes to tease me about that. So, um, <laughs> Anyways, that was like when I was a kid and then when I um, was in high school, I continued taking voice lessons. I recorded like my first EP, which is probably a bunch of covers of really bad musical theater covers. Um, like what? Like but, what, what were you into as far as like the theater goes that really, you know, inspired you to record your own version of it? I don't know. Um, what were the plays? Because I'll tell you this real quick just to like open the floor br- to this. This is why I bring it up. Yeah. I've seen... Cats, the musical, like the 1998 film version, more than I've seen any other movie ever. Wow. Yeah. So Andrew knows a That's... thing or two about musicals. So like, okay. I know a couple things. All right. Specifically well, cats, I, I but really only about cats. <laughs> I don't know if I was that into musical theater, but, <laughs> but um, my very first like solo was singing in like a play, a musical play of Cinderella, and then Ooh. we did like... Uh, Aladdin was like big at the time in the 90s so I think that was it so it wasn't like super musical theater but then I got into I sang some songs from Cats and My Fair Lady and Phantom of the Opera and all that stuff Mm -hmm. and then um, I would say like my junior year of high school I and I've talked about this before in other interviews but I just got like super depressed for whatever reason because you know teenage angst and all that and I started writing like poetry and lyrics that turned into like writing songs and that's when I started telling my parents like look I know you guys want me to go to college if I'm going to college like I'm going to study music and um so they were supportive of that even though I think they thought like music was always going to be a backup plan so it's it's uh nice that I'm still doing it for a living um (laughs) yeah but uh yeah so I went to college um studied music and at that time got super into like rock because uh Paramore and Taking Back Sunday and like all those bands were big at the time and it was hard for me because the music program at San Diego State was uh, very like old fashioned. So I had to take opera lessons for to be uh, a voice major in college, which I thought was like the worst thing ever. But later down the road, I realized was the best thing ever because it, it allowed me to have the training to like get through months of touring. You know, I was, was going to say voice. like opera singers are like the elite like professional singer. I feel like. In, yeah, the, in the sense it, of like how much you need to like practice to be a good opera singer. Right. Yeah, it was it was tough. Like I had this voice teacher who was like this uh old opera, you know, amazing singer from Juilliard like back in her day in her prime and she was so hard on me to the point where I was like, I don't really know if I like music anymore. I kind of got over it for Damn. a minute because, because I was so just frustrated with like this isn't the kind of music that I want to sing. Yeah. But like I said, down the down the road, I was happy for the ability and the the groundwork that she was able to help me lay, like a foundation to not lose my voice. Um, you know, when I'm belting like night after night touring, which is what I ended up doing after college. Um, I started my band, The Material, and um, my high school boyfriend at the time was on tour with another band called In Memory, and they were going around the country. And, um, 
he heard that I was starting a band, so he kind of quit his band and joined my band. <laughs> uh, wow, what a good boyfriend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is this yeah, like the, the California scene? Like, like where, where were you guys like, you know, first uh, mm-hmm. sort of cu- cutting your chops this in? Is- this is in San Diego. We we both grew up in Simi Valley, California, which is just outside of Los Angeles. Okay, um, very cool. Must be nice yeah. to not know cold, freezing winters um, and then yeah. insanely hot summers all in one year. Yeah, yeah it's weird. It's, like no matter what season it is, you could walk outside and the air could just hurt your face. Yeah, because <laughs> it's hot it's or too cold. Too hot or yeah. too cold. And you know. We don't even need to get into how brittle your your skin gets and stuff. So I don't must, want must to be nice. get into it. California born and raised. Wow, that's <laughs> <laughs> don't take that for granted. Let me tell you, I'm sure you don't. Oh. But. <laughs> anyway, no, I'm, I'm like you were saying, <laughs> no, it's yeah. Well, I, I grew up here, like I said, just outside of LA, and then went to college in San Diego, and that's where the band started. Um, so we were kind of just doing our thing in the local scene, and then we got this opportunity to play on MTV's Do Circuit Breakout, which was like this. Uh, do you guys remember TRL? Or is that yeah. Like <laughs> oh, of course. Okay. Carson Daly's the dude. <laughs> All right. So like the TRL studios, we got to like, they flew us out to New York. We did this whole thing. And that kind of like. First class of coach. Us- Sorry, I don't want to cry. I don't want to cry. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we were coached. I don't think we were that big. Of a, okay, st- still cool. I don't, th- I don't still think cool. we were going to still a comp ticket. I mean, that's a win in my book. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was it was cool because we had only been a band. We just put out like one EP, and it was kind of like the very beginning of our um, of our band, and so we got to do that. And through not that, a bad we, start. Not yeah, a bad start at <laughs> Definitely all. Definitely not that bad. <laughs> So how, wait, how, how did you even get in contact with them? Like as a brand new band, just to like get get that off the ground. That's that's crazy. Um, it was a con- it was a contest. We entered oh, this okay. contest. Right, right, right. Oh, contests yeah. are so sick. They don't do contests like that anymore. I, I, I think know. the contest. Well, they, there are contests, but I feel like they don't like get you anything. Like what right. recent American well, Idol winner mean, like, has gone on to become like a Kelly yeah. Clarkson? Well, I mean, like a, you know? I'm not even talking about like like uh, like American Idol type of contest because they okay. still yeah, do true. that. I mean, they have the, the voice and stuff. But like, I'm right. talking like like what she's talking about, like the break contest, where it's like oh, a nobody yeah, true, true, true. could just show up play through some rounds or whatever and then like get to a cool opportunity that like yeah i guess if you're like a poopy band like maybe you can't utilize the opportunity but it still gets you to this crazy opportunity that you never would have gone to like how else would you have been able to play bamboozle if you didn't win the break contest back then true could yeah if you were just a local band yeah Yeah. for sure and i'm sure that maybe now there's a lot less because it's a lot easier to just like quote unquote blow up on the internet like i could just upload a song tomorrow and if everybody loves it then i'll just blow up and i won the contest of the internet well do you think that's why contests have sort of lost their viability in a sense because of like the power of the internet i mean i feel like there has to even if it's not a direct correlation it's got to be impacted by that for sure yeah that makes sense. Yeah, I think uh, this is like before. This is like MySpace time, you guys. This is like before Instagram and all that kind of I stuff. Illegally so I illegally had a MySpace when I was thirteen. Yeah, you had to be fourteen. <laughs> I was like, I'm getting yeah. in on this. So I, I don't want to keep cutting you off, but like, I one thing that does come to mind about MySpace is that I always wondered how people change their backgrounds. I just, <laughs> I just couldn't. Yeah, listen, do it for it's the because life of me. The only, listen, the best thing that MySpace did was teach a whole bunch of young kids the absolute basics of coding. 
Because you had to go to some other website and be like, I want that weird pet turtle on my MySpace. Right. So you'd yep. have to go and copy and paste the code into the code of your page in the right spot. And I don't know how I managed to do that as a 13-year-old. Yeah. Because I can't even work yeah. Adobe Premiere as a 26-year-old, apparently. So <laughs> I'm talking like the time I finally got a song on my profile, the website must have shut down three months after that. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it was, oh, it, MySpace wasn't the most friendly to me, but I know it did make... And break bands. So it did. It it seems like the, and you obviously, please let let us know, because the way I sort of like fantasize about the MySpace era for music is that like there has never been and there will not be another social media platform as like you know not not forgiving but as like allowing uh, for artists to sort of grow and stretch their legs it just, yeah i feel you like know? it's like even with like band camps it's like you just put it up and that's still like the band and the consumer i feel like myspace was just like a, we're all here also we're a band so check it out since well, you well, already all like, have, like the social stuff. aspect like but MySpace, that's what i'm saying you know, like you could put your that's friends what I'm bands in your top 10 or whatever that's what i'm saying like yeah, on yeah, yeah. band camp it's like you can't just make a profile it's like there are bands that make the band profiles and then you go on and you download music myspace is like you're already on myspace and you already like music so you're like oh shit my favorite band has a myspace just like me and then it's all just like even more than the word accessible it's Mm -hmm. like everyone's on the same playing field yeah true and and i guess like everyone everyone like there was no and correct me if i'm wrong i mean to to me i don't remember there being like a special band platform right like you were on the same level as just like a regular user no idea dude i was the same i was like 14 yeah exactly (laughs) but like so what i think uh, it was just easier to stand out at that time because like you guys were saying like i I remember so john who was that high school boyfriend and guitarist i was telling you about now Mm -hmm. my husband he um he i remember our first couple tours he was making money by just like uh just redoing like other bands myspace pages to just like make them stand out and recode them so you could put like that cool picture and i don't know all that stuff so that's awesome uh, well i mean it definitely seemed like the band was more legit when like you got to their page and there was like a background that had right. their name on it and then you saw right. pictures of themselves and you're like whoa like there was one band yeah. that was like yeah, yeah. all you all had to do custom layout i remember there was a band where all you had to do was like friend request them and as soon as they accepted it they sent you a song like one of their songs and it was like their best song and i was like yeah i'll do the easy thing of friend requesting you to get the song fuck yeah that's so smart yeah dude wow. it was it was far from proper Oh, wow. Okay. And it was literally just to local, get that, that down cover. Local <laughs> legends of ours, Colleen, here in the uh, the Poughkeepsie nice. music scene. Yeah, yeah, hometown but, heroes, <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> but that's cool. I, I, you know, I'm envious that you guys really got to like make the most out of the MySpace era. I feel like, it, and tell me if I'm I, wrong. I don't know if I made the most of it. it. I just I just accessed it. So someone who's seen like and, and, and worked that system, and we I do want to keep keep working through, um, you know, because this is, I mean, we've never had to stop this much going through someone's story. At least like not how, this early. This <laughs> yeah, this is this is but we never get to talk about this. Like, do you find it's easier now to utilize the tools that social media gives you? Or do you think it's harder? Like like what error sort of like d- did you find was the most friendly towards like growth of the artist and whatnot? Mm, I would say it's much harder now because it's so oversaturated with everyone's in a band or uh, at this point everyone's a DJ and <laughs> a <laughs> yeah. producer and um it's so easy for like all these people to just have a bunch of fake followers. And so I think it's really hard to just stand out um, and to reach people just the way that the algorithms are and like everything gets lost all the time. So um, I don't know, I guess back then this was, you know, 2007, we were talking about the contest and Mm -hmm. from, from that opportunity, we got a song on the video game rock band. And I remember we posted about that. That's so sick. 
Facebook was still kind of new at that time. And like everyone saw that post and everyone was playing rock band at the time that like really helped us out. Like, um, I don't know. I don't know if there were less bands back then or if it was just literally like not everyone was on social media all the time, but I felt, I feel like maybe in 2010 to 2000, I don't know, 13, which was when we were like really touring a lot. Uh, it was just much easier to get your music out there and to get people's eyes on it and ears right. on it, I guess. Damn, you know, that's, odd, uh, that's odds upsetting are. to hear, but you know, it, it's, it's good to know. I think it's cause a lot of the audience of the show, like they're like people like, you know, Andrew and I like mm-hmm. just trying to really like take this and, and, and make it like something that we can sustain, you know, sort of like you have. So uh, that's actually really good information. It's a little upsetting that you said that it's harder. It's now, a but little hey, bit you know sweet. What? That, That's what we have hey, to deal with. That just means so. that when we get there, it'll be all the sweeter because it was harder to get there. That's true. Also, Andrew yeah. and I were rock band kids growing up, so we're just I geeking don't, out. I don't know if I would classify that. myself as a rock band kid. I would say I was like the rock band god because oh, okay. I, <laughs> I was wondering I, where going with that. I I like moved things in my room for rock band. Like that was my priority in for my peak room. performance. Yeah, like I was like the drums have to have enough room to be far away from the TV, but like close enough that I <laughs> can hear the music over the hits of the drums. All this crazy shit. Yeah, I think. Listen, you came over one time. You saw how much room there was for it. True. It, it was. It was also one of the more memorable. If this, rock band if this sessions. wasn't a song that you had to like pay for and download, odds are I've played your song many times on all the instruments. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Well, you can check it out. It's called "Moving to Seattle." It was like one of our first songs, and I mean, I think we had a second song on there. I can't remember, but that one was the one that we got through the D Circuit Breakout MTV thing. I really feel like I did play that one, but I can't it be sure it was so it was long like, ago. I'm going to have to unearth Rock Band and just play it and just play all the songs to make <laughs> sure it, I play man. that one. Yeah, it's probably a good Dust trip down off. memory road. I'll, I'll stream it. But that that's cool. So yeah, like TRL flew you out. You're, you're performing and all that. Like that must have been crazy. Yeah, MTV doesn't yeah. even know we exist. No. <laughs> Does MTV still exist? I don't know. Debatable. Yeah, it was good times. It was a good time in music because female-fronted bands just started um, popping up. Like I said, Paramore um, was getting big like when we were starting. And I think Evanescence was like a thing back True. then, They're, too. They and... were really the pioneers that don't get enough credit. Yeah, I think I think it helped us, but at the same time, it hurt us because there was a lot of tours where all these promoters would try to like hop on the female fronted bandwagons. And they would like try to throw like female fronted band night, and it was like right. instead of you know you go to a different let's say you're headlining a tour, but it's like these are like van tours, like you're sleeping in a van, you got a trailer in a van, and you're going across the country. This isn't like flying out to places. Right. I, I so don't think we we've like, known anything else yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we would get to a show in like Florida and we'd be like headlining this tour with like maybe one other band and and they would, you know, when you're the band going to a venue, like you want that city's best opening band to play for you, like to open because they're going to bring the people, you know what I mean? And uh, the word's going to spread spread but instead these promoters would see like that it was a female-fronted band and maybe we were on tour with another female-fronted band like uh we toured with our friends new year's day and blame shift uh, two other female-fronted bands at different times and all these towns would just try to throw oh well there's this new up-and-coming female-fronted band from this little town in florida let's put them on it and they'd have like you know their parents like come five to the followers show and that's yeah, it. Yeah. yeah instead mm-hmm. of like putting on just like the best local band that has the draw. So that was super frustrating at times because it's like, okay, we don't need to make a whole female 
fronted night. We used to call it the FFE, the female fronted extravaganza. It was, so, <laughs> it, was yeah. it was so frustrating as a band. Like yeah. I don't need to, you know, like let's just put on a good night of, of yeah, music. Like we don't right. And I, <laughs> so you know, weird. I feel like maybe they thought they were doing the right thing, but I don't know how you don't realize yeah. you're sort of diluting it's, and taking away yeah. from the experience. It's I, so I, weird that like those kinds of things pop up. You know, like you know, like obviously Paramore wasn't the first female fronted band or whatever, no, but it was I mean, like that's when all of a sudden like that almost niche i guess like pops up where like all these people are like ooh female friend of band ooh female friend of band and all of a sudden first there's none it feels like and then all of a sudden because a couple pop up that are popular everyone's like oh this is the only thing people want now because this right. is now popular <laughs> well, we need just, only female fronted bands now because that's yeah. all anyone is caring about and i guess it's like, like yeah. why do you jump to that such like such an extreme yeah i guess like in the punk rock space around that time or like the alternative space that that's sort of like there i guess there was sort of like a, an explosion um of like I guess like the female fronted bands in that era, but like if if you look back, it's been a thing forever. Just look at Heart or like you know Janis Joplin, like they no, were yeah, exactly. Like, so you know, yeah. I just I guess people don't realize it dilutes Fleetwood the experience, Mac. but it seems like you guys made the best of that. Obviously, you went on to have like a, a pretty sick career with the material, but I guess that must have been a big like. It was did it feel like a hurdle or a hill to overcome at first or? Yeah, I mean, because I didn't want to be put in a separate category, like oh, a female fronted band. It's just like. No, we we're just a rock band. We loved mm -hmm. bands like Thrice and Circus Survive. And like we wanted to play the music that we wanted to play with the best bands that we could, you know. Um, but yeah, that sort of time of like emo rock music, you know, it, it kind of got a little bit fizzled out by the electronic scene, which instead of being like just defeated by that, I just kind of like said okay well i guess i'll try that and then that led to other opportunities seems me, to have worked helpful. for you <laughs> yeah so yeah. It, it, what i'm kind of getting so far through your story is like you seem to be sort of like an adapter and and even more so like taking the tools you have at hand because i, I guarantee you for as many bands as there were back in that early myspace day that like we're like we're not getting on this this isn't gonna last like you yeah. know an equal number of people like jumped on that ship and like had successful careers for it so do you just sort of try to like be forward thinking in your career or is that just like do you even think about that i, I mean i'm just trying to learn um, something here you know well, my, <laughs> we got a long road ahead still. My, my experience with music is just that I love doing it. I love performing it. I love writing. I especially right now just love recording and collaborating with people. And so it wasn't necessarily like, oh, rock is dying out. Like, I'm just going to jump on to the next like popular thing. I, the way that I got into electronic music was kind of different because I had always um, loved like the production side of bands like Circus Survive that put in like electronic like pads into their music. I was always fascinated with that. So in 2004, in 2013, the material played our last show and it wasn't supposed to be our last show. We, we had just finished a tour with uh, that band Red Jumpsuit Apparatus. If you guys remember them. Love them. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Love them. And we, it, that was kind of like our last tour and it just felt like we needed a break. We'd been doing it for so long and so I thought, okay, well, you know, let's just take a breather and I'm going to try my hand at like writing some electronic music. So I actually started a side project called With Beating Hearts. Um, and I was kind of like dabbling in writing in that electro pop genre. And at that time, it kind of was a serendipitous thing. It wasn't totally planned out, but like we had a show, I guess, at the end of 2013. Um, and a fan of our band from a show that we played like back in New York with the material had moved out to LA, had started working for Dead Mouse's label as an attorney. 
Um, and she just happened to come to our show at the Roxy in Hollywood and brought some people with her um, from Mousetrap and was like, oh, you should write some songs for Dead Mouse. And I'm like, uh, okay. Like, I don't know that he's ever going to listen to them, but <laughs> all right. But you can't so, say no to um, that, though. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Like, I figured, okay, I'll try it out. Uh, mm-hmm. So I wrote a couple of songs, and then next thing I know, it's, like, up on his SoundCloud page. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, I guess well, he listened I, to I, it. Yeah, I guess so he liked that, it. Uh, is that Stay, the song you're, you're talking about in specific? Um, yeah. At the time, it was called Drop the Pop-Tart. He, he called it <laughs> that. Wow. That's an awesome name. Wow, okay. Yeah. Wait, can um, I ask, were you, were you already a mom when you wrote that? No. Oh, mm-hmm. wow. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Now I have no yeah. idea where the name came from. Uh, <laughs> he, bro- I don't know. He came up with that one, but um, oh. no, actually, that song, that song is probably like the most personal song. It was about my dad who had passed away. I mean, he was passing away when I wrote that song. Whoa. So it's weird that it turned into like kind of a dance song. But mm-hmm. if you listen to it now, like the piano chords, like what he turned it into, was very fitting because it's a really emotional song at least like the intro part like fits perfect um wow but anyway it was a powerful song and like you could hear it i guess in the lyrics and and uh just the take that i recorded in my friend's living room and i never thought like i said never thought dead mouse or the mousetrap crew would ever hear it but either way um that turned into me working with um dead mouse on another track called sia which ended up on his record and at that time, I signed to his label, Mousetrap, um, in 2014, I think. And um, that was really cool because that song ended up being on his album, which was Grammy nominated. Um, and I got to That's fly out to Canada. pretty awesome. Rec- yeah. Wow. It was really yeah. cool. Um, so it went gold and then it went platinum, the track that I did with him. And so that was like, I guess... Uh, you know, something to check off my bucket list and it was really exciting. Um, oh, for sure. I had no idea. I mean, just to get a nomination in and of itself is like a huge honor. So, you know, congrats yeah. on that. That's that's awesome. Thanks. I got all dressed up and went to the Grammys. And <laughs> wow, <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, that's Damn. Awesome. I, I don't bucket think that, that's a show first. We've never had anyone on. Wow, that's, a, yeah. that's another honor you now have. Well, there you go. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Damn. This is a very prestigious episode. It is. It is. <laughs> also, yeah, like, what, like, what, what is like your like headspace when all this is happening? Like, what, like you're just, you know, you've watched. I'm sure you've watched it on TV. I know I watch it when it comes on air, and you're just like, man, I, I hope to be here one day. Like, like, what does well, that feel like? You know, that's got to be crazy. Yeah, I think. I don't know. I I think at the time, well, first off at the time, it was like in the pre-show, which was super frustrating because everyone was listening to electronic music at this point. Like, I don't understand how it wasn't in like the main show, but it was up for best, uh, best dance record, I think. So the whole, his whole album was nominated um, and they, and he didn't win, unfortunately, but uh, just to be nominated and to go there and to like, I don't know, be a part of that, which I had grown up watching too, was like super special. And um, yeah, dream come true for sure. Just happy to be given the opportunity considering I was like not in electronic music at all, like had heard of Dead Mouse like once and then was like, you know, working with one of the best producers out there on that kind of stuff. So yeah, definitely, cool. definitely an, another pretty good start to a musical career. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
and really just, like I said, that girl who had heard our band, her name's Katrina. She ended up being my attorney for a while. And then my manager, she's just an awesome, like, music lover. Um, if it wasn't for her, like, that opportunity never would have happened. So it's just, like, another reminder to, like, to anyone who's listening who's a musician to just get out there and, like, meet people. Mm-hmm. And uh, every person who supports you, like, give them love because they deserve it. They can, like, you know, open doors that you never thought you'd go through. So, um but yeah, so anyways, I did that and we recorded I recorded an EP on his um record label Mousetrap. It was called Collide. Um it came out in 2015 after I record or I performed on the Juno Awards in Canada with him. Wow. Nice. And that's I'm, awesome. Damn, that's another that first. Terrifying. <laughs> yeah. Kind of terrifying. Was, yeah, what what's that like like a live TV performance and I mean, I'm sure the place was packed obviously. Yeah. That was like one of those situations where you're like that was cool that I did that, and now I never really want to do that again. <laughs> <laughs> why, why is um, that? I think just the live aspect of it. I'm Imagine right. me coming from, like, playing Warp Tour, like, that kind of scene, going to, like, a huge auditorium with, like, thousands and thousands of people and live cameras, like, in your face, True. on an award show, never having performed with him before. This was, like, the first performance we ever did together. First and last. Like, that was it. It was terrifying. Mm-hmm. Wow. Was there any rehearsals but or was it just like, you know, on your there own was merits? Like, there was one rehearsal and my inner monitors weren't working right. And it was just a total cluster. Nice. <laughs> Got, gotta love that. Yeah. Wow. So, it was, so gotta, Gram- it was Grammy's pre-show, but Juno's main show. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Canada had more love for the electronic music, I guess. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, actually, I mean, look, and if you don't want to give away the secrets of the trade, or or rather, if you've been indoctrinated and can't, I understand <laughs> that. I, I do, I do, but I, I'm curious, like, do they, I mean, do they, for, like, you always hear, like, dude, like, they force the tracks on them, like, it's not even a real yeah, performance. Yeah, they're not, you like, have so, to lip sync when you play on yeah, the like, TV. Yeah, like, like, oh. what was that like, you know? I mean, I'm Oh, sure. no, I I sing, and you can tell because I was terrified. Okay. Um, so it's yeah. so it's it's really not that. It's just that maybe these are just some wickedly talented people that we right. get to watch. Well, I mean, um, I'm sure that there I were mean, there might be a couple for... times where they do that just because of something yeah. we have no idea about. Okay. But True. I can't. It can't. So I guess in your experience, yeah. yeah. It was my first time performing on something like that, so I was like, um, yeah, there's like a couple back backing vocal tracks in there let's keep those in but i want to sing like i Mm -hmm. i don't know if other people really do that live but i sang it live for real and it was very scary but also one of those another bucket list thing to cross off and just be thankful for the opportunity you know oh but yeah i can only imagine it's definitely pretty sweet yeah it's definitely a sweet flex to be able to flex if i if i could flex i'd be flexing that all the time Every yeah, day. Well, yeah. We know Anytime someone mentions Canada, <laughs> I would bring it up. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. That's just me. Well, anyway, that that was a cool period of time. Um and then uh I from from Mousetrap, I met like a lot of really cool up and coming producers that were also on the label and we collaborated on different things, which has been fun. So since then I've done like lots of little collabs with um with different artists that I met through that label. Um, I got out of my deal to just start releasing music that felt a little bit more like me. Um, a couple EPs, another EP with the material um, two years ago. And, you know, because as much as I love the electronic scene and I love collaborating um, on it, I didn't really feel like I belonged 
on the label being a vocalist and not like a DJ producer. I was the only female on the label at first and the only singer on the label. I mean, there's been a couple of females since then, but it just didn't really feel like uh, the best spot for me. And I think they felt the same. So it was like, okay, well, let's just do like features and collabs together. But um, but I, I knew my heart was really more in the rock world. That's- so I wanted to get back to that a little bit. Yeah, no. So, so basically, if I'm understanding this correctly, you sort of uh, did you like sort of like negotiate out of your contract earlier than expected, or or? Yeah, it just it seemed like probably the best thing to do at the time, um, mm-hmm. and I think that we all of the parties involved got like what we wanted out of everything. You know, like we did some really cool music together, but ultimately, like I wasn't trying to go on a tour as like a DJ producer. Like I was, you know, I am a singer and I wanted to just like be able to collaborate with whoever and, you know, make cool music that might be out of that genre. So. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, your new EP certainly has like that electronic touch, but I, I can see how it's not necessarily like strictly abiding by the EDM format or, or whatever you would call it. So. Yeah. Well, my latest one um, I did with, this guy Atlas, who's also from Canada, um, he or sorry, not Atlas, with Echo. Atlas is another <laughs> another uh, mousetrap um, producer who's really good, and he actually just put out a record that I really like. It's called Lavender God. If you guys want to check that out, but um, I did this EP called Sleepwalk, and it came out in September of last year uh, with Echo. And Echo and I were on mousetrap at the same time, so that's how we met. And he's from Montreal and he just kept sending me like tracks and I'm like thinking that these are for, you know, his album. And, uh, we just kept doing one after the next, after the next. And they were really cool. Ultimately we decided to put out an EP together. Um, so I put out under my name, um, but he produced all the tracks and he's just like a super talented guy. Um, and so, yeah, that's how that one came together. That's my latest work aside from overdrive with you guys <laughs> yeah yeah the most recent yep and and uh you know thank you again for doing that we're we're super happy with how it came out yeah it's, um, it's yeah. probably the best song we put out yet i would say so nice. yeah so I, I gotta ask though because like a lot of the audience of this show is sort of like you know andrew and i's peers our friends and of course like there are other people who aren't you know into the music but they still have been listening and so what I want to know is, so you left the stability of a label, which isn't that preposterous in like, you know, this, especially the 2010s, right? We hear a lot about like the independent artists and, and at the top of the the tier, the upper echelon of that, you have like, you know, your Chance the Rappers or your Macklemores, but like when, there's a lot of work that it takes to be a sustainable independent artist. And especially you like having a family, having like two, you know, bands that you have to like keep the engines to two creative paths, rather one solo, one's a band that you have to keep like the creative engines rolling on. Was there like some sort of fear there or was like, what is that experience like? Cause it's like you hear so much about people chasing the label, but you don't really right. hear too much about like them leaving the label. And so I feel like there's like something to be learned here. If you wouldn't mind just sort of like letting us into like that decision. Yeah. Well, first off, I just would say there there was no bad blood. There still like isn't. I do plenty of collaborations with the label um, with different artists and stuff. So, but it's just a matter of like, I guess I'm speaking to other artists out there. Like, especially if you're up and coming. Like, without a label, you have more freedom 
you, as long as you set yourself up correctly, like make sure you, you know, set up an entity so that you can collect your publishing royalties and your writers, um, royalties like with ASCAP or BMI, uh, sound exchange. I mean, there's all these avenues that people are not using, like they don't know exists or don't think that they're entitled to, but, um, you know, the freedom that you have without a label, like you're going to make a hundred percent of your publishing. And that's like really important. Um, that was important to me because the material was an independent band for a long time. And so these placements that we got on like MTV and stuff like that, we were making like a decent amount of money for a band touring in a van. Granted, we like didn't have rent to pay and like, we're literally living on the road for years. (laughs) So, um, but then, you know, the opposite side of that is like a label is always going to give you more visibility. It's going to connect you with your listeners. And if, as long as you're like in the right place, you're going to, you know, you have like this machine working behind you, helping to get you out in front of other people. So I think, um, you know, it's, it depends on the type of person you are. I've always been more of an entrepreneur, type person. I, I'm like probably the most responsible artist that you'll ever meet because (laughs) I like, you know, I have like a good handle on like when we were doing the band thing, I was, I turned us, you know, into an S corp now an LLC. Like, you know, we had a bank account and like, you know, all, all of the, the, um, little components that you would have as like a, an actual company, Um, I had a handle on like making sure we did our taxes with the CPA and like making sure we were signing contracts only if we had an attorney, look everything over. So we did everything correctly. And I think that's why we were able to make it successfully as an independent band. But if you're the other personality, which you're just, you know, really a hundred percent into your craft as an artist, I think that's also an amazing thing. And if you could find a label that you can grow with and who like really believes in you, um, then I think that is a hundred percent like what you should do, but just make sure you know that you are the right fit for that label. Um, and that you're not going to get lost in the shuffle. Cause I know we, you know, we did a lot of, um, performing for different labels to see if we could, you know, I don't want to name them, but like tons of showcases for different labels thinking like that's what we needed to do. But we had so many people tell us like, Oh, that's really cool. But we already have like a Paramore or, you know, name the one female front end band that they have on their roster. And it was like, they couldn't have two. It was super frustrating. And we were like, you know what, we're not going to sit around and wait to be, um, you know, either shelved to where the label's not going to put any money or time into us or, just constantly compared to, you know, a Paramore or an Evanescence or mm. I can't think of any of the other bands that were out there at the time, but there were a couple <laughs> and it was just like, it was frustrating. So we just kept going on and doing our own thing. And, you know, I'm happy we did because I think we picked up a lot of skills on how to sustain our career um, independently. We each had like a job in the band and John was like our graphic designer who would make our album art and he would make our website and, set up our online store and then make our t-shirt design so that we had merch to sell. And like, you know, it's, it's crazy. Like if you ever go into like a real job, you can put being in a band like on your resume because it really does require to wear like so many hats. Yeah, no, that, you know? that, that is true. So 
I, I, you know, that I'm glad you brought up the material in, in you sort of divulging that. And, you know, thank you again for like really peeling back the curtain. I think it's, it's super helpful for me right now. And I'm sure a lot of people are going to get a lot out of this, but so what decade was it easier to sort of navigate in the independent space? Because like, I feel like obviously, I mean, I know it was, pro it's probably the modern decade, but I could be wrong, but that's what I think. That's what my gut's telling me. But also like, you know, you guys did play a warp tour and you guys did open up for like red jump jumpsuit apparatus who like, honestly, like if there was a decade to open up for them, it was like the 2000s. So like, was it, was it harder to sort of like do those types of things that other bands like needed labels and, you know, agents for, especially like, you know, pre-social media where you could just DM someone like it was, you know, you know what I'm trying to say? Like, what was that like, sort of? There was a point in in our career where, uh, you know, like Twitter became big and it was like, the once you started having booking agents who were like, oh, let's see how many Twitter followers they have first before we book them on the show or whatever. That's when it started getting frustrating. Um, that's when, uh, you know, like I said, I think the the market got like oversaturated with like a million, like everyone's doing music now, right? Um, so I don't know that it's, I don't really know, uh, if it's easier now or vice versa. It's just kind mm -hmm. of depends on how much time you want to put into that. Basically, like it's hard as an artist to want to hundred percent, like put your time and energy into actually making your music and not spending all of your time on social media, trying to promote it. So that's where a label or you know, having a team in place is helpful, especially now, because you literally have to have somebody working on the other side so that your music actually gets out into the wilderness, <laughs> you know? Right. It, it's like, correct me if I'm wrong, it almost seems like it's like back then the the tools were less accessible, but once you got there and got the tools, it was a lot easier to use them. And now it seems like everybody has the tools, but it's a lot harder to use them the right way and like stay at a point where people are hearing your stuff, you know? Yeah. Kind of I mean, like I guess that, in a, in a band mentality, like, which is why I liked what you guys are doing. Cause you had, it wasn't just like, you know, one person. It's like, you guys have that band, you have that family, you have like the ability to, uh, draw on different people's strengths and like, okay, this person's really like going to be the head of our bands, like social media. So you like deal with that and I'll deal with like, you know, finding us a good, a booking agency or a manager or, you know, setting us up with like a label showcase or whatever. Um, but there's always got to be that person who's like, I'm going to write some like really awesome songs. Like you need to have that piece. Otherwise, what's the point? You yeah, know? no, it's definitely, right. it's definitely easier in, in solidarity almost to, uh, to work with the team, regardless of how, how big of a scale it is or not. That's, that's for sure for sure the case. Th thank you so much for like, you know, I mean, I, I feel like this became like 21 questions with Colleen, but like, honestly, like it's rare that <laughs> how, to, we, how to get your band noticed with <laughs> Colleen D'Agostino. It, it's rare that we get to speak to someone with like such experience, but also with like such success too, you know? And, and so right. like, I, I do really appreciate Especially like, success in two different sides of the industry, really. Right. Right. Exactly. Which that's, I mean, you pretty much got into, I mean, I wouldn't say got into it, but I think when EDM really started to explode, like you were sort of like right you were there. there. Yeah. You were sort of right there in it. So that's, that's really cool. Um, w with that being said, we are almost uh, done with uh, our interview here. Unfortunately, I could, I could pick your brain for hours, although I'm sure no one wants that. But, I uh, know that Chris could do that. <laughs> um, so before we, uh, before we let you uh, get out of here, um, we, we have like a set question that we like to ask every guest. And, and I know what you're thinking, like, Chris, 
why did you not tell me this in advance? Like I'm freaking yeah. out right now. Come on, dude. Like that's that's being a booker of your podcast 101. And here's the reason. I have a good reason. One of the things that I find has made this question so special and has made it the only segment in our show is because it's sort of meant to be spontaneous, to sort of put you on the spot. Because I want it to come like from the heart, you know? So basically, I'm because I have like, you know, these thoughts all the time. I'm always like analyzing things. Yeah, just, and, just ask her the question, dude. Hey man, we gotta, I'm trying to I'm trying to sell it, dude. We gotta fill it. We got 50 minutes to fill, dude. But anyways, <laughs> some insider baseball. But basically, when when you think of yourself as an artist, and if you haven't, I'm asking you to right now on the spot, and I'm sorry. But um, basically, is there a word that comes to mind that you would like to use to describe yourself? Uh, and and you can obviously elaborate on it afterwards. But like we found, like there's a real strength in in sort of asking this question to people, and like the words that we've gotten are, are super interesting, and it's just it's just been a really enjoyable segment to do so yeah does anything come to your mind when i ask you like how would you define yourself as an artist in one word hmm. um i would probably say passionate because um you know there's there's been like some things in my past especially recently with like becoming a mom and like health problems and stuff like that, that like could easily derail me and just go like, okay, I'm just going to like not do music anymore. But I feel like it's just something that's always been like, you know, we started this podcast talking about me being like seven years old, wanting to sing. And I think that's just something I never wanted to give up on because it makes me happy and it feeds my soul. So I feel like, you know, um, my passion for music is what gets me through like the hard times and also like helps sustain me when, you know, things are going good. It's just, it feels like, um, what I'm supposed to be doing. So, yeah. Beautiful. Wow. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing not only your answer with us, but some of your day with us and some of your time here. This was, yeah. this and was you, a great conversation. I think you probably answered that question faster than anyone else said. Dude. They were all yeah. like, Oh dang. Oh man. I, <laughs> of yeah, all, yeah. The, of usually, all the words, I have no idea. Usually, I cut about three to four minutes out of this part of the podcast. I think that I'm not going to cut anything. So, um, you know, hats off to you. You're, you're a seasoned pro, and we appreciate you uh, collaborating with us. And yeah, this was a very educational episode for both of us. I think. Yeah, and I I really enjoyed it. I would say. Cool. Thanks, guys. Yeah. So before we let you go, where can the people find you? What can they expect from you? And look forward to all things Colleen going forward. Okay. Uh, well, my website is colleendagostino.com, which is really hard to spell, but I'm sure you'll figure it out. <laughs> um, and like Instagram, Twitter handle is Colleen TM, like the material. Um, I've got, like I said, I put it on an EP. It's called Sleepwalk. Uh, that was just a few months back. So if you want to check that out, any of my solo work is, you know, on all the digital platforms. Um, and I'm working on a new collaboration, but I don't know if I can share who it's with yet. So gotcha. It'll just have to stay so tuned. Be excited. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, good luck with all that. We're looking forward to it. Thank you again for lending your vocal talents to us on uh, overdrive. We really appreciate it. You yeah. definitely made the track. So we, we appreciate that. Aww, so much. Thanks. Yeah, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Thanks. Yeah. Guys. And, uh, and I want to let you know real quick, we uh, tried for a very short time of me singing your verse, like for the live version. And let me tell you, I am so much worse at singing than you are. You're so good at singing. <laughs> yeah. So we'll have to figure Thank that you. one out live. But <laughs> that was a compliment. 
and yeah. I guess okay. a slight dig at myself, but it's a great verse. I just It's the truth though. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> well, with that being said, we're gonna leave you with that song. It is called Overdrive by the Stash, featuring Colleen D'Agostino. Colleen, thank you so much and, and have a great day. Yeah. We appreciate you being here. Thanks for having me. When I'm with you, I feel alright At least for the moment Though I know that I'm not fine I've got a good way of showing That I could be tongue-tied And still get up in the morning But if I'll be honest, I've wanted to tell you for quite some time That you Get you out of my head And I don't wanna hide